Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. He is Chris Marler. Chris, I am feeling good today because Future Us is listening to this in August and you know what that means. Whoop, whoop. That means it's football this month. We are going to football so hard this month. Actually, we're not going to football. We're just going to talk about people who are football. No, I'm on football. I'm on football hard AF. I have listened to a lot of Sandstorm today. And I'm not even a South Carolina fan, but I really love that intro for Williams, Bryce, Bryce, baby. Um, pretty fired up. If you're not fired up when the calendar turns to August and you're in this business as a college football fan, I'm sorry. I don't know. I can't help you. To me, I, I used to dread August, and I was saying this to my wife what? the other day. I know. I used to dread August as a kid because when you grow up uh, as a fan of the Chicago Cubs, usually your team is playing in the dog days of summer. And that just means school is back in a few weeks. And you're like, man, because baseball's over for the summer. Travel baseball ends in the beginning of August for right. kids that grow up in the Midwest. So to me, August has been like the month that I look forward to so much these past few years. And we are officially there. We're going to have training camp coming up this this week, this very week, that sounds so yep. weird to say, but off-season, I think we've made it through. I think we, we are survivors of the off-season. We're hitting stride. I mean, our first topic, it, it feels like we're already mid-season four already. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we got a lot to get to today. We got some SEC preseason superlatives that we're going to get to. It's just going to be like the senior edition that. of your high school newspaper. It's going to be great. What was uh, your best superlative? Uh, I won Biggest Sports Fan. Biggest sports fan? Not in my entire senior, in my entire senior class, I'm the biggest sports fan. True story. That, I got, but we didn't have that one. I went to like a, a pretty good high school. I'm gonna preface preface this by saying that it was a really good high school. That's why I didn't win anything. Oh, um, smart. Yeah, I got. I think the highest was I think I got fourth runner up, for most talkative, and no fourth runner up for a class clown and third runner up for most talkative. Nothing has changed. You have no, not changed not at, at all. all. Yeah. Yeah, so. that that fits the bill. <laughs> we talk about throwing tennis matches and third and fourth place finishes <laughs> for talking a lot. Yeah, hitting stride, stay, staying the same on uh, brand. Well, this let's hear our most talkative at uh, Stone Mountain Georgia High School. No, what what high school did you go to again? Parkview High School Panthers. High school. Um, this this whole thing with Florida, this uh, altercation with Tay Bang. In case you missed it, yeah, Tay Bang. I said that right. That's a real so, name. So last week when we recorded this, this was kind of like a, a reported story that you know, you're not sure because you don't hear from one of the major news outlets and no charges were filed in any of this. But the more and more details we heard about this were like, oh my gosh, this is an actual real thing that happened. This is and not a scene from, from The Office or Punked or anything like that. This was a, Tay Bang is a real person. Shout out to that birth certificate name. He's listening. Um, that, yeah, <laughs> he's, a, he's a huge fan of the pod. Mr. Bang, I apologize in advance. Um, this was incredible. This yes. like, this was like Looney Tunes type stuff. So in case you, you have not seen this and you're one of those people that's like, why haven't I heard about this? This is a storyline that should be big. Well, charges haven't been filed yet. But basically what, what happened was Tay Bang has been this this guy who's been betting on Florida, a local Gainesville uh, bookie guy who's been basically putting a lot of money on the Gators over the years. And last Respect. year... Last year it apparently didn't go so well when he was betting on a team that won four games. So, yeah, there... I mean we all have our ups and downs. We <laughs> we have our peaks and valleys. Sometimes you're up. Sometimes you know. What was it the line from Blow? Like you're flush. Sometimes you're. I don't know. But he was not doing well. I, don't, I mean, stop betting on Florida. Probably. Yeah, that's the easy solution. But players apparently had sort of a relationship with this guy. Uh, it came out today uh, that apparently he even had. Um, he was giving discounts to players uh, at. 
on rental cars at Enterprise. That's all been reported. I don't know if any of this has been official yet. But basically what happened was in May, they had this altercation where Florida players apparently brought airsoft guns and pots and pans. Like, fr- they brought a frying pan to this thing, like, ready to throw down. Right. And it had gotten and to that do. level. When Yosemite Sam threatens your life. Right. So this was this was obviously something that was kept under kept under the rug for a while at Florida, but there have been multiple incidences, as we've learned. First, course, First Coast News reported that they had an incident about playfully arguing about guns uh, back at a club in February or something like that. Playful and, arguments about guns. <laughs> right, which every argument about guns is playful, of course. Yeah, duh, in this day and age. And then so this altercation, this, this back and forth led to what happened in May, and the Gainesville Sun actually got this video of it through a public records request, and the video is weird. I mean, it just looks like a bunch of guys running around. You could kind of make, make some of them off. With, with, you could make out an airsoft gun. Um, but they weren't charged with a crime, as I said. The, the, the issue is that apparently multiple players lied to police, and the six players that this is involving, Tyree Cleveland, who, oh, by the way, led Florida in receiving last year, uh, Rick Wells, who was involved. Which was in a the, total of 58 yards, I think. Yeah, it was, it was not very many yards. That's, I say that loosely, but right. uh, Rick Wells, who was involved in the credit card fraud scandal last year, uh, Kimor Gamble, you had Kyrie Campbell, um, and then uh, Kadarius Tony, a guy Florida fans have big, big expectations for, and then, oh, by the way, the quarterback of the future, Emory Jones, is involved in this weird weird story that um has a lot of layers to it and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense apparently also tyree cleveland got knocked out at a club by one of tay bang's friends on july 4th yeah he got slapped in the face of the whoopee cushion from tay bang that's when they brought the pots and pans out that's when he got serious business when they went to (laughs) detention for fourth grade yeah, 4th of July apparently is uh, a time when you just get into fights with people who have been betting on you and right. been, been talking trash about you. This whole relationship, I don't get it, and maybe just because I've never been in big-time college sports, I've never understood what it's like nope. to have a relationship with bad someone start. who... <laughs> bad start. Um, okay, why don't you take this, because you're the gambling expert. Is this as weird as I think it is? I have a really nice bookie. He's <laughs> he's very polite. He's super polite, and we've never had issues like this. That being said, he's never hooked me up with Enterprise Rent-A-Car uh, comps, which is one of my favorite things of the whole. I mean, this whole story, just layer after layer, is, I mean, man. So, first off, Tay Bang. Again, that's a real name. Second he's got a real name. He's got a real name. That's his, his gambling his what? gambling name. Yeah, as you do. Tay right. Bang is, is my gambling name. Cool, Peter dude. Burns Peter Burns would call him Mr. Bang. Yeah, exactly. So that that part is is it's tough to get over. Then the fact that he was hooking him up with Enterprise Rent a Car comps. Just get in touch with the twenty twenty first century here, guys. Hook up these players with Dodge Chargers. That's what almost every other school is doing. Allegedly. So pretty, oh, yeah, sure, okay. Um, but yeah, Enterprise Rent-A-Car comps. Uh, and then on top of that, they were chasing with pots and pans. Who's running from a pot and pan besides Wally Coyote? I, I just, I don't get it. There's so many parts of the story that make no sense. So when you say, like, I'm not used to big-time college football, I'm not used to absurd stories like this. This is something you would see on Saturday morning cartoons, but it's the real-life, everyday, um, I guess, life of a Florida, foot, Florida Gator football player. I want to know what the decision process was like for whoever the player was who brought the frying pan, who went into his cabinet and said, you know what, I got the perfect thing. I got this frying pan right oh, here. no. Man. If we're... I, too bad I, I made that ramen last night because this, <sighs> this one's dirty. You know what? Get the dirty one. Get the dirty one. That'll really show him. That's a good point. I, I mean, it's just, it's, 
I, I'm just almost shocked that there wasn't like black cats like lit up in the pan to you know give off the impression of gunshots or that somebody like tied like a sparkler or like a uh, what is it called a um, bottle rocket to someone's tail and yeah and I would 100% believe if somebody had a tail in the story. The thing with Florida is that. The stuff just keeps getting weirder, and you thought maybe with the McElwain era, you phase that out, and you bring in Dan Mullen, and maybe some yeah, stuff would change. Yeah, phase out that whole dry humping of the shark, and, and no, no, it got, maybe it's because these are his recruits. That, that could be part of it, too. It's making the credit card fraud scandal from last year look a little bit more tame, um, and I say that because Rutgers is also apparently going through a, a situation right now where they have players being investigated for credit card fraud as well with a similar spit type balls. of deal. Yeah, they, they got in their whole <laughs> spitball war in New York City with a bunch of gangsters. Yeah, this, this whole thing, though, I don't know what's going to come of this. We have not heard of any suspensions yet. Basically, Dan Mullen came out with a statement saying that we're aware of this, we're looking into it, of course, what you would expect him to say. But, like, something has to happen here, right? I mean, I understand no charges were filed, but all these things that are coming out, this is going to lead to some sort of disciplinary action, I would tend to think. Yeah, assault with a child's weapon. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I mean, it's it's just, like, this reminds me of, like, a scene from, like, I don't know, like if it was like Roadhouse or like Casino was on TBS, like on a Sunday morning, where it's like you just you're inserting all the weirdest things possible to like make sure people don't understand like the F word is being said or violence. Like I fouled up, Frankie. I fouled up. Like, yeah, that's that's what everything is happening in Florida right now. I don't want to. I don't want us to come across as the guys who are adults, loosely. Again, I use that term, uh, <laughs> preaching what college kids should and shouldn't do. But this is this has a significant impact on this team. And if yeah. we're talking about a leading receiver being out for a couple games for being in trouble again, if we're talking about the potential quarterback of the future being involved in this before he ever plays a game at Florida, that that's significant. And Dan Mullen, maybe you know, <laughs> this is something that he didn't think that he was going to have to deal with big problems like this. It's one thing if we're just talking about one person with an isolated incident. Nope. <laughs> no, and if, you know, the Justin Watkins stuff, that's kind of been, you know, the, the stuff with him and, you know, the domestic violence stuff, and he right. obviously was, you know, he left the school after repeated incidents, and he was a highly touted recruit. If, if we're just talking about one one player, one scenario, that that's one thing that's a different ball game. But we're talking about six guys here. We're talking about half a dozen players that got involved in this, and Animal you're just left scratching your head like, yeah. Where's the direction of this program? What is what is happening in Florida right now? I I don't even know where to begin, and I, I not, honestly, I mean, I'm not advocating guns, but I'm definitely not advocating rubber band guns either, or whatever they were using. It's just, I mean, pot and pan violence has got to stop. And if, <laughs> it's got to stop. And there it's, it's, somebody... it's really it's riddling our streets. It's I mean, littering our streets. It's everywhere. It's just it's you can't say it enough. Like I don't know if you've seen. Um, it's the same thing that happened in early 90s L.A. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's a lot of pot and pan violence. Gang violence and pot and pan violence. I can't keep a straight face. <laughs> and the, the airsoft gun was apparently, it was apparently orange, but it was painted black to look like an, an AR-15. Like, what? But it was shooting pellets. Yeah, but Tay Bang originally thought it was an <laughs> AR-15. That's a sentence I actually just said. Yeah, that's a real thing. I mean, but he probably thought it was an AR-15 until it, it shot out. Maybe he got his name Tay Bang because it like shoots out one of those flags that says Bang on it, like in those old like Batman movies. Oh yeah, that, yeah. That's probably where he got his name from. I like that. I like that. I'm I'm on board with that. Uh, Florida, it's just weird times right now, and the fact that Florida right now is sitting there as we're recording this podcast, I think they're sitting at number 38 in the national recruiting rankings, while Georgia right. is just seemingly getting everyone. Uh, well, every five star recruitment. They lost like I think three to five commitments because of a, a late night drive by with a Super Soaker 50. So it's like. <laughs> You gotta, I just, 
Um, yeah, on the serious stuff, recruiting. I just, yeah, they, they are like, it's, I honestly, like you said, I thought that when McIlwain left, you know, you had a coach that, that didn't really do this, but did not <laughs> really convince people that he didn't dry hump that shark. Um, you know, he made up, he, he's the one that made up the whole death threat on his family. And then you got credit card fraud again. And and now on to serious issues with recruiting. What is going on at Florida? Like, what is going on down there? Yeah, I don't know. And it's, it's a, we don't want to, you know, necessarily say that, that this is an uphill battle to start because Dan Mullen hasn't coached a game yet. And as we know, in places like Florida, if you start winning games, stuff like this, you tend to kind of look at for a couple days and then you forget about it. But when it yep. seems like it's one thing after another, that, of course, last year was the story of the start of the season, and it just seemed like Jim McElwain's season was doomed from the get-go. I don't right. want to say that Dan Mullen's year one is doomed from the get-go because we don't know what's going to come of this or anything like that or what's going to happen with his quarterback situation yeah. or a lot of other factors that are going to determine that, but it's weird to see this stuff that is still going on at a place right. like Florida. You start shaving points so you can get a discount on a Hyundai Sonata. There, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's back up. We're not accusing anybody of point no, shaving. I that's, that, that's, that's a true story. But, I mean, what, what really what does become a concern is stuff like, like, this is a distraction. All the stuff in the offseason, that becomes a distraction. What does become a concern, and especially with what Georgia did this weekend, when you have, you know, like you said, like, all that is alleviated with, with winning on the field. And I think Dan Mullen's going to do that. I, I, I mean, they still returned 20, 20 starters from last year's team, and I understand they went 4-8 and eight last year, but that's, that's still... A huge that's a, that's a lot. Four and seven. They didn't Four get to play seven. that one Fair game. Fair enough. Fair Let's enough. Let's not forget. But that I mean that's that's a that's a great springboard, I guess, um, to go into the twenty eighteen season to have twenty starters back. This is all a distraction. What does start to become a little bit like worrisome is when you do have stuff like the recruiting issue and being thirty eighth. I mean Tennessee. Tennessee's coming off their own issues, not not off the field as much, I guess. Um, but they're thirteenth in the country right now. So you really have to start looking at it like what what is happening in Gainesville that is kind of limiting I don't want to say Dan Mullen because he hasn't coached a game yet, but that's kind of been a limiting factor here for several years now. Yeah, I mean this goes back to the Urban Meyer era. I mean this this stuff is not new at Florida and I shouldn't say it like it was just a Jim McElwain thing. I mean this right. this stuff is has gone on too long. But yeah, the recruiting rankings thing, um, to get back to that, people right now might look at last year's Alabama team and say, yeah, you know, we, whatever. Like, recruiting rankings don't matter yet. It's all different now when you're – when. And first of all, yeah, Alabama can close <laughs> like few others can. But, you know, if there are people who are saying, like, yeah, we shouldn't be worried about that, and I don't like to get too caught up in that, but with this recruiting cycle, you essentially have four months left. Four months left to sign right. the vast majority of your class, and there are a You're lot of programs. Alabama's recruiting class at this point last year. Right, exactly, okay, exactly, yeah, okay. exactly. Because Alabama struggled for a very long time right. to break into that you know top ten echelon, mm-hmm. and they really made a push at the end. And if you're a Florida fan saying, "Oh, we've got plenty of time left. We're fine," there are classes that already have twenty to twenty-five kids in it right, right. now. And when you look at what a program like Georgia's doing, it's all the more concerning because Georgia just gets these weekends where they go on a roll and you're like oh my god this is unbelievable this past weekend georgia got three blue chip commitments on sunday alone all of which were out of state one of which was was from apopka in florida which is probably not the best look either georgia's all the way up to number two in the country in the 2019 uh class rankings according to the to 24 7 sports i mean it was less than a month ago they were ranked 16 they were 16th yeah. in the country, and they had only eight commits. So now they've doubled that amount that, that amount of commits. They have 16 total commits. 
and they're ranked second, and they're right behind Alabama. I think they're five total points behind Alabama on 24-7 recruiting rankings. And, you know, like like speaking to what you said in terms of how many players – I mean, the early signing period still still confuses me, to be honest, Um, because, you know, you have like – I'm still used to like National Signing Day being the first Wednesday of February. So you have that in late December now. But, yeah, the recruiting cycle is not – you don't have an extra two months – um, no, it's it's way different. And especially with these official visits in the summer now, I think right. coaches are trying to get out ahead of this as much as possible and say, let's just sign, or not sign, but let's get like 90% of our class committed before the start of the season. And right. that way you're not trying to scramble and do you know all this stuff in the last two weeks or three weeks in right. December before, before the early signing. Start those 2024 kids that are in seventh grade <laughs> right now, but developing fast because the hormones in the chicken. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, I mean, the Kirby, uh, Kirby Smart just doesn't stop recruiting. And and like you said, it does it does add an issue of concern or an element of concern when you look at Florida when you're when maybe not your biggest rival, definitely Georgia's biggest rival, Florida, and they're going into the state of Florida and pulling out kids, and they've already put up a wall pretty much for the most part around the state of Georgia, and they're going into Louisiana. I don't I don't remember Georgia going in the state of Louisiana. Yeah, they're going anywhere. They don't. They don't care. Kirby does not care. He'll go anywhere in the country. Yeah. It is not limited to the state of Georgia, and that's that's maybe the the most telling thing about what he's been able to put together right. uh, from a recruiting standpoint. And I mean, just the five star talent is unbelievable. Think about they've this. Got we, five. <laughs> they've got 16. five. They've got sixteen. So we there's, recorded there's like thirty four total in the country, and they've got roughly fourteen point three percent. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So we that was. Wow, that was really good math. That's Baseball good. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they're ready to go. Averages. <laughs> uh, so we recorded last Wednesday. They have signed, uh, not that, I shouldn't say signed. They have gotten two five-star commitments since we last recorded. Right. On Th- Sunday, we, we put up an article in Saturday Down South talking about how, like, this recruiting class is ridiculous. And then, like, roughly 38 minutes later, they're like, oh, by the way, a kid named Ryan, spelled R-I-A-N, which I thought was nice. Um, he is, like, an outside linebacker who's 6'3", 235 already. Outside linebacker. It's a large individual. Yeah. And he's, like, like I think he's top, he's definitely top 100 guy. Also got the five-star running back, number two running back in the country. They have two five-star receivers. They have a five-star, I think they have like the number one weak side defensive end. They have the number or number two running back now. I mean, they're loaded. They're absolutely, they have one three-star out of their entire 16 commits, and his name's Zion. So you know he's a badass. Definitely. First yeah. names with a Z or an X, usually things work out pretty well for you, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so... They have right now. Georgia has as many five-star recruits committed as the entire ACC, Big Twelve, and Pac-12 combined. <laughs> That's a real stat. That's a real thing. Yeah, this late into it. the recruiting cycle. Yeah, it's still weird to say this late in the recruiting cycle because it's July thirty-first, or it'll be August first when this comes out. Yeah, future us, don't tell us how many more five-star commitments Georgia has because it's probably like three by the time we're going to be done recording right. this. And the SEC in general has the top three overall classes with Bama one, Georgia two. A&M three, A&M three, and that that could be a staple for years to come. That's that's going to be the the interesting recruiting storyline that we're going to follow. Of course, with we've talked about Jimbo Fisher and the job that he's been doing there, but that that battle for those those you know the, that top spot between those three teams is is I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. No, I, I thought, love I love all the stuff with the, the the fans coming out and and saying that Kirby's cheating, and all this. Which it just, I mean, like, and and it's easy to get wrapped up in that mentality and be like, well, I mean, he's got all the success, and like, Rick wasn't doing this, and Georgia, Georgia sunk over a hundred million dollars into improving their facilities, for one. Two, again, it's Athens. Athens is a blast, 
And three, Kirby's been doing this. The best point I've seen made on about any of this stuff, about the cheating accusations, Kirby's been doing this his entire career. He was doing it at Bama every single year, year in and year out. Now he's doing it at Georgia, which, which is a bigger national brand than Alabama. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think the cheating is necessarily the, the main issue. I think that other teams are trying to figure out a way to catch up to what he's doing. And there's a domino effect at, at places that have these, these loyal, massive fan bases that are there regardless of if a team wins eight or nine games. And Georgia had a couple seasons like that where that's a down year for them per se. Right. But even if they're not necessarily competing for national championships year in, year out, there are certain teams that when they break through, all of a sudden the ball just gets rolling. And you're right. like, oh my gosh, how in the world do you, do you stop something like this? It's amazing that they weren't recruiting this well to begin with, right. but you have to get to that level of success. And history kind of shows, I mean, even a place like Clemson right now, where Clemson is in a different, you know, different background than what Georgia has in terms of history and all that stuff. But Pretty you know, Clemson right now is still just finally starting to get going and recruiting at yeah. levels that they've never been able to. And that's what going to national championships does. I mean, and, and the thing with Georgia too, and this is something that that is a that is a starved starved fan base and that is I've, I've joked around for my like growing up in Atlanta and Stone Mountain and everything like that you know Athens is about an hour away I've I've grown up my entire life making jokes about Georgia being the champions of August because every single year next like this is our year this is our year and it's like all right and then you lose two to three games usually under Mark Richt I don't see that happening as much anymore but like when you have a, a fan base that's been this rabid for so long then yeah like I mean it's easier to like you talk about how they're committed no matter what. It makes it even easier to kind of like fundraise that kind of money when you're on the cusp, finally like on the brink of winning championships with a new coach and all these new facilities and stuff like that. Because they, I mean, yeah, they, they've they're long overdue. They've wanted this for a while. I thought our best friend Peter Burns had a great tweet about this. Um, he said uh, in a tweet, he said, "You better get your shot at Georgia football right now because yep. this might be the weakest team that the Bulldogs have in a long, long while." And oh, by the way, they'll still be really good this year. Kirby is building a monster in Athens. I, I kind of buy that. I buy the belief oh, that yeah. this is maybe the last time that the roster isn't going to be totally stockpiled across the board, and they're not going to be at this level that we think that they could be at for years to come, where you have a five-star getting hurt and then a five-star comes in to replace them. I mean, there are right. very, very few places that it, that have been able to do that and sustain it over the course of the decade obviously the team that you're a fan of has done a pretty good job of that i would say i do love i do love the fact that yeah as a bama fan like everyone talking about how like the the arguments that have been made against georgia and vice versa against alabama have just been so idiotic i'll just be honest like the whole thing about like was quality over quantity talking about like georgia's recruiting class over bama like i don't think anybody in the top five is really not getting quality quality recruits um, but at the same time, the cheating accusations are just out, out of control. I, I mean, it's just they're completely unfounded. But Georgia is in line to, right now, finish with a higher-rated recruiting class than it had last year when it set the Which record. Which is scary. That's, that's a really scary thing when you think about it. So yeah. the, the team that Georgia is going to be computing, competing with, we expect to be Alabama. The good news is that Georgia, well, the good news for Alabama fans is that Georgia can't negatively recruit against Nick Saban anymore and say that he's going to retire because Nick Saban has signed an mm -hmm. extension. He's getting a raise. Good for Nick Saban. I'm glad he finally got his money. He did need to get some money. Okay? It's just, that's been long overdue. I'm <laughs> sure guy. he had the money coming in from, you know, like the, the endorsements with that Mercedes-Benz dealership that he had. I think he has his own kind of van. He's got his own style van out, which is 
doesn't sound very cool, but kind of. No, that doesn't. I was like, what? So that's they not got, my own, got my own minivan out. Awesome, Nick. Awesome. Yeah, he got he got a slight little bump up eight hundred thousand dollars. He's almost as uh, almost at the same level as I think he's almost getting that Dave Aranda kind of money. No, let's let's not get carried away. Dave Aranda <laughs> is a gazillionaire. Yeah. Um, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. And he's worth every penny, according to Joe Oliva. Um, so uh, the the extension that saving God is going to keep him at Alabama through 2025, or at least until he gets his next extension, which will probably be next year. Um, he's going to get some of the financials of this. Uh, that's Steve Berkowitz, USA Today. Great, great follow on Twitter. Does not clog your feed, but provides a lot of good sports financial information on college sports. If you're into contracts and stuff like that, does a great job with it. He puts together the database every single year of the highest paid head coaches, assistant coaches, all that stuff. That's a a weekly click or a yearly click for me, I should say. Um, so Saban's going to get a little bit more than one million dollars in 2018 than he would have on his old deal, and he's also going to make. Um, so he's also going to make three million dollars more over the next four years than he would have had it on his old deal. And if you're those who look at the database and say, well, Nick Saban made 11.1 million dollars this past year, why is it a big deal if he's only getting 8.3 million dollars? Well, that four million of those. $11 million was his signing bonus, a one-time signing bonus. So it's kind of like an inflated number. That's not really what it is, but we still like to say what it is. He can make a lot more money than this, and nobody yeah. would bat an eye. That's I, the I mean, we, I joke, we kind of joke around about it, but, I mean, pay him $20 million a year, it's still worth it, in my opinion, for what he's done to that school. Yeah, what did it, Feinbaum say, that $50 million savings worth it? Yeah, that's. I mean, that might be a stretch, but, I mean, yeah. And it's it's. I know it's two totally different things, but, like, when you look at it in, in terms of sports contracts – I mean, eight million dollars a year. I mean, there's there's like relief pitchers for the the Cubs right now that are making making a little bit a little bit more than that. Yeah, NBA and they're players. terrible. NBA players come off the bench who are making ten million dollars. That yeah, John Wall about to make forty six million is that's a whole other subject. But yeah, I mean, Saban, you could like what he's done for like that university and for like the state. I would even say is a lot. I mean, he he really. Had, I mean, the just just in terms of applications and the amount, like the percentage of like of that being up, and the enrollment from the university, he's worth every penny. Oh, there's and there's no doubt about it. And, and I think, my overall emotional state, like it's so much better than the, the Shula years that it's just I can't I can't think of enough. So Saban is 66 this year. Uh, by the end of this contract, theoretically, let's do some quick math. He'd be what, seventy-three? Yeah, yep. seventy-three. Uh, seventy-three or seventy-four, depending on when you want to look at this. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, Joe Paterno was one hundred and thirteen years old when he retired, so he has. That. He's got. Yeah, people forget that. He's got another forty-eight years, forty-seven like years. That. Yeah. So I'll, don't bat an eye at that. His deal is going to increase four hundred grand every year, basically just to keep up with inflation and to keep up with the occasional random contract that all of a sudden decides to go to the level of saving right. just so that he could be making more than everyone i think that's which is fair you know, and plus like the cost of living in tuscaloosa is not cheap now he's raised the cost of living in tuscaloosa i guarantee that <laughs> yeah without a doubt without i mean how doubt. much seriously like the entire town of tuscaloosa the entire state of alabama think about what he's done for like the entire economy in the state and businesses there yeah. I if mean, I know that Taco Casa, it. Taco Casa itself. I used to go there for games, and it'd be it'd be damn four dollars for for ten tacos. It's a, it's almost seven dollars for ten tacos now, which is out of control. Also, shout out Taco Casa, who follows me on Instagram. I <laughs> legally have to plug them once a week. 
Uh, think of what Saban has done for Little Debbie's. I mean, I don't know. And Little <laughs> yeah. Debbie's isn't, isn't based in Alabama, but I mean, he has not only provided them tons and tons of money, but he's also made money by saying once well, a year that he likes the to eat state's Little Debbie's. obesity rate. But yeah, it's also also fair. Yeah, that's true. So Saban, obviously the highest paid coach in America, uh, 8.3 million in basic school pay. He's going to make a ton in incentives, endorsements, all that stuff, whatever. So he's going to make more than the 12 Sun Belt coaches combined, as well as the 12 MAC coaches. So. He better not lose Louisiana Monroe again. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that probably wouldn't end too well for him. He would probably, like, Saban could put something in his deal where he could theoretically say, anytime I lose to a mid-major, you can just take take 500 grand off my contract. I will see him doing that. Or how about this? How about this? How about a deal? something in Saban's deal where it doesn't necessarily have to be, this is just like a, an anti-incentive thing that would never happen, obviously, but he just covers the fee of whatever it is to bring in, like, McNeese State. Yeah. Like the $1.4 million that, that they pay. It comes out of like, his, out Yeah, of his it comes out of Saban's pocket. He's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll cover that. That's my bad. I think it That's should be like, like, do one better. Like, if if he loses to a mid-major, he has to give, like, an in-depth, no-holds-barred questions interview with local media. Like, the week after. He has to answer anything. For like, 60 straight minutes. Who's the I mean, starter this week? Anything you want to know, he has to answer. He can't storm off or yell at you. Oh, like, personal life? Anything. Wow. Yeah. I kind of like that, too. There is a lot of upside to Nick Saban losing to mid-majors suddenly. Nick Saban is going to be making so, so much money. He is probably... Nick Saban was probably voted in his high school most likely to succeed. I would. I feel pretty good about that. There's no chance. I mean, well, it's West Virginia, so there's only like seven people out of those classes that probably didn't go to a coal mine. <laughs> so if, if he was coming from that pool, yeah, I think so. Fair enough. We have some SEC preseason superlatives that we want to get to, and we, we, I'd like to think that our superlatives are different. I think that we're two unique guys. We don't like to just do, who's going to be the best player in the SEC this year? Who's right. going to be the best coach? Who's going to win the most games? I'd like to think that we have done some different work that you've never heard before. So that's the way I'm going to preface this. Um, Cutie's kicker. Best mascot. No, not none of these. By the way, real quick, touching Sweet on the Nick Saban thing. Do you, yeah, thanks, man. Um, can you imagine uh, who, like, there? if he didn't win, most likely to succeed, that means there's some guy out there who was like, no big deal. I was actually voted most likely to succeed <laughs> from a Chocolatal High School, West Virginia. <laughs> like, people are like, yeah, okay, sure you are, Billy. <laughs> Just have another Budweiser. But like, that, that would, I want to meet that guy. We, we need to get that guy in the pod. Freezing cold takes. Do do some homework on that. Let's let's like figure that, that out. That's good. Let's let's figure that out. Uh, so our first uh, SEC preseason superlative. Um, this is the award for most likely to get ejected for targeting on the opening play. And I thought about this. Yeah. I thought about this a lot. And I'm going to go with Dylan Moses of Alabama. And this is not a knock on Dylan Moses, who was once compared to the next. He was supposed to be the next. He was supposed to be like the LeBron James of college football. That was what a Bleacher Report story said like four years ago. Um, but Dylan Moses is my pick because he's a guy that's maybe going to be a little bit over anxious, a little bit amped up as a as a sophomore who's finally going to get to play a lot more. Um, as we know, um, it's it's pretty much doom or gloom with Alabama linebackers these days. 
if you haven't gone down yet, chances are something is going to knock you down and you know, you're going to get a suspension or an ejection or an injury or something like that. That's just kind of par for the course for Alabama linebackers this offseason. And also think about this. Louisville's going to have a first-year starting quarterback without Lamar Jackson, and that kid is going to throw a little lame duck pass over the middle, and he's going to get his receiver killed. Dylan Moses is just going to demolish this kid and a ref because refs don't know what targeting is and we don't know what targeting That's is. It's work. just going to call automatic targeting on Dylan Moses, and he's going to get thrown out opening play against Louisville calling it right now. I'm going to have a heart attack basically very first play of the season is what you're saying. The targeting is, oh, I hate, I hate the targeting penalty so much. Anyway, because they lose a half game and they don't even know what they're calling. It's in the middle of the play. Anyway, my pick is literally anyone in Georgia's secondary. They've had to spend an entire offseason, an entire oh, offseason with the, the second and 26 stuff, mainly from me. Yep. Mainly from me. And that cover two defense, I, I'm assuming they're going to want to send a message early and someone is probably going to get right up under someone's ear hole and, uh, and you know, maybe crown of the helmet. Maybe they lead with it. I don't know. But I'm sure they would want to do that to me. If they're probably tired <laughs> of hearing this in the entire offseason. So I would say literally anybody in Georgia's secondary. I could picture JRE just blowing up a screen pass, watching a running back's helmet come off, and refs are just like, yeah, we, we can't let that happen. We, we, sorry, we're sorry what happened to you. We realize you got a lot of pent-up anger, but right. we can't let that fly. <laughs> Stop projecting on people. <laughs> uh, also, they're playing Austin Pitt. Peh. Peh. People forget that. Why <laughs> is still a vowel in Austin P? I'd like to say that. Um, I'm glad you did. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Uh, most overrated Heisman candidate. Don't like Heisman. Your, your how you've started this entire situation. Yeah, so again, this isn't an anti-Alabama superlatives. Kind of seems like it. But I've explained why several times on this here podcast, why I think Damian Harris is an overrated Heisman candidate. I think I saw his odds were like 18 to 1, and I'm just not a believer that he's going to get the work in that offense to warrant Heisman type numbers that you need for a tailback because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of carries to go around in that offense. I think Najee Harris is going to get a ton of work, and we've seen this in the past with Nick Saban is that he as much as he likes Damian Harris, he's never been a high volume guy, and I don't think that he's going to have the type of numbers to warrant that type of consideration. So at 18 to one, at 20 to one, 40 to one, I'm not putting money on Damian Harris to win the Heisman Trophy. And so the reason behind this, this the original, I guess, what's what's what I'm looking for here? This is basically the Saquon Barkley Award. Like First of all, it's Saquon. You're going to get his name sure. right one of these I'm, days. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. He's already in the NFL, so who cares? Okay, so um, let's do that. Let's do this as a separate one then. So most okay. overrated is done. Let's do it, it's, September it's Heisman. Overrated, but yeah, it's September Heisman. It's the same thing as we, okay. we originally talked about. So I originally wrote down Nick Fitzgerald just to get at you. Just, what, I mean, you opened with Dylan Moses and Damian Harris. No, but I, so it's, it's between Stidham and Fitzgerald. I'm going to say Fitzgerald because I think Auburn's going to be up by enough points early on that Stidham, you know, might not be thrown for 300 yards every game. He's going to be on that kind of stage, I think, a lot early. But Nick Fitzgerald, that month of September, Joe Moorhead is going to have him out there a lot and putting up really big numbers in that offense. So, the meat of their schedule comes in October and a little bit in November. So I'm going to say Nick Fitzgerald only because, I mean, career-wise, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks ever play in the conference, statistically. Bites at the SEC uh, rushing touchdowns record for a quarterback, I believe, 
Uh, right. Shout out Will Ogburn. He was the one who looked into that, and that yeah. was like in the offseason, like what he was going to have to do to get these numbers. Is he the best rushing quarterback in the history of SEC football? Shout, is shout only out to Will for a, taking, taking that hit on, on social media afterwards. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people took aim and just asking the question because he's going to. We we assume that he's going to break the record this year. The only thing that I would give you pause on that is because he's still coming back from this this ankle injury where we yeah. basically saw his ankle fall off in the Egg Bowl. Um, is is Joe Moorhead going to potentially want to put in Keaton Thompson early in, in games if they are up big and he's not necessarily using him to run right. as much? That's a possibility. And just trying to figure out a new – it is somewhat of a new offense. Joe Moorhead and Dan Mullen aren't exactly the same. They have similar concepts, but they're going to want to do things differently. So that would be the only thing that I would give pause to with Fitzgerald. Right. It's one – I mean, well, also, you're a pretty big Mississippi State homer, so that's probably no, the biggest no. pause. Would make I mean, what would give me pause about that is them losing three games this year. But Auburn – in the same fashion, they don't have a lot. I mean, they have to play Washington early. They have to play LSU in week three. Um, I think that offense is going to rely a lot more on Stidham. While they're trying uh, to figure on, out the running game. While they're yeah. trying to figure out the running game. That's, that's, it's 1A and 1B for me. So, Okay. Yeah, I, I can get on board with, that, with, with Stidham a little bit more, especially if they win that Washington game and everybody's like, oh, man, Auburn is. You know, because if you know if they win that game, all of a sudden it's, yeah, this could be the year that Auburn actually gets over, you know, gets has one of those magical Auburn years, and we're talking about, right. you know, potential Heisman candidate. And the Cam Newton comparisons would definitely oh, start God. flying if that happened. But anyways, so a candidate for most likely game of the century of the year. <laughs> yes, I said that right. That's perfect. Because yeah, you nailed that. Every single year, it seems like we have this one game, and it doesn't necessarily have to be just in the SEC that we say this about, but it seems like more often than not it is. We have this one game a year where we call it the game of the century. And last year, of course, it was Alabama-Florida State. It was the best opener in the history of college football. Gary Stokin went on this here podcast. He's the CEO of the the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl and said that this was the best opener in the history of college football. It was of all time. The good. good game, but it was a 24-7 game and it was competitive and all that, but it wasn't the game of the century. So no. what is going to be your game of the century of the year? Auburn, Georgia. Then Explain. two weeks later, Bama Auburn. <laughs> so because Bold. I mean, I think I think both teams have a chance at getting to that game undefeated. So you're talking about two teams that are already going to start off in the top ten. Um, could be a top five matchup, second week of November. I think that's a huge, huge game. Wait, but last two weeks, I think on this podcast, you've said that. Oh, I think Washington's, Washington's going to beat them. I said they have a chance to get there undefeated. All right, either way, they're going to be. Either way, if they lose, I mean, Washington right now is ranked, I think, seventh around seventh in a lot of preseason polls. So if you lose the first game of the season, and then win everything else on down the line and get to November. Georgia's not getting beat until November. They don't play anybody until they go play Georgia Tech at home and get beat like they always do. Um, just kidding. So we're, we're going to assume we're going to assume the LSU game is I'm I'm just saying they both have a chance. They both have a chance to get right. to that game undefeated at least in conference play and in Athens, that's going to be a huge I mean, think about with the game the, the two games last year. That's going to be a lot of build up. You said game of the century. That's going to be a lot of build-up with that. Game of the century of the year for me is going to be Alabama-Georgia SEC Championship. Yes, that's boring, but it would be new to have that in the SEC Championship and to have this sort of playoff berth at stake type deal right. would be a new wrinkle to this uh, this rivalry that we think is going to build over years and years. I know that's a really boring pick, but in yeah, my opinion, that would be... why you questioned mine so much and then just gave it the <laughs> least, <laughs> least hot take of all time. Good God. Well, so you're a... saying that Georgia and Auburn, 
is not going to be a good game. Okay, that's fair. That was the most lukewarm take I could possibly come up with there. I didn't say all these had to be fire takes. I just said that these are superlatives and these are what we're coming up with. I just want to hear you say it. Um, so this is another very, very lukewarm take. This is the most likely to run up the score to pad his stats against Cupcakes, and there's only one candidate, in my opinion, and that's Drew Locke. Yeah, I mean, that was tough not to... <laughs> that's that's going to be... Moving on, right? Yeah, moving on. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's only because... If only because... Of what happened last year. I mean, he, he, he's already done this. I, Nick Fitzgerald would be on there for me because that's kind of, you know, he, he, it's, it's easier to put up big. I mean, Jordan Ta'amu. JT, shout out. Yeah, JT in that first game against Texas Tech, he might throw for 800 yards. That game might be like 80 to 79. I, God, I hope so. Man, I hope so. That would be great. Yeah. It would be like watching flag football. Um, yeah, that's a good candidate. I, I like JT, too. That's that's maybe a, a candidate that I, I, I should have brought up instead of just Drew Locke open and shut. But I, I think Drew Locke is the complimenting king of my picks. Yeah, no. Nah, he's uh, getting there. Uh, I've complimented your picks before, just not on this yet. <laughs> um, all right, so let's do the most likely to have awful sideline body language in a September game, meaning he's not upset that his team has only, is like three and six. He's upset that he's not playing. It's very early in the season and nothing has been decided yet. Another repeat candidate, a guy who would have won this award last year, it's Jared Guarantano of Tennessee. E. And if you remember last year against against Georgia Tech and that opener that they played in Atlanta, it was not good when Quentin Dormady started. There's a YouTube clip of all of the negative body language that Guarantano had where he's just sitting away from, from the starting quarterback, just not involved, just looks so upset at the fact that he's not playing, and I fear that this could happen to him again. And if you're Jared Guarantano, I kind of get it because you, you stuck with the Butch Jones era. Right, you took yeah. a million hits last year. I'd be pissed. <laughs> and then have them just bring in a new quarterback and for you to still be stuck on the sideline thinking, man. A Stanford I, quarterback. I mean, there's not a more stable person to bring in. Like, it is so, so safe. Such a safe pick. Oh, a, man. A bench Stanford quarterback who threw, yeah. who completed 56% of his passes or whatever. Yeah, but he's got those double knee braces, and that's, that's really true. all you need. And he's going to be going into a Jeremy Pruitt offense, which I don't know. How, we don't know what, what is going to be. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it has to be something like, I don't care. Just get an eye formation, and please don't throw the ball more than 23 times a game. We think Tyson Helton is going to run the, you know, he's going to run the West Coast offense with Keller Chris. That's that's my prediction as of right now. You right. know, a lot of that is still to be determined with how they develop in camp and all that stuff. I but mean, I still think I still think Garantano could start, but I will say I, I do too. I will say I, that, I'll I say that. My, it's going to be Jalen. Ooh, yeah. That's that's your fire ticket. After offense. they after they lose to Ole Miss in the third week of the season, and Jalen's okay. still benched, and and they just ride out two of the rest of the game. I think that's it. Wow, that's his all team's losing. He's lost the starting job. It's all over. So Jalen's just going to go to Tennessee and start playing there. It'd right be away. immediately eligible. Yeah, I hope wow. so. Like I hope by by week five he's eligible to start playing at Tennessee. That would be so awesome if we could do that. Yeah. Can you can you picture how fun that would be to actually have a? I I know coaches say that we don't want free agency in college football, but let's just think if we had a trade deadline. a trade deadline. Oh my, my god, it'd be incredible. I tell you, the other one I think Felipe Franks, Felipe Franks and Benny Snell are my other two picks for that. And the reason why is because Benny Snell obviously has a lot of swag uh, after SEC media days, but I would say him and and then Felipe Franks because I don't think he holds on to that starting job if he even gets the starting job. Wait, why Benny Snell though? Because his team's going to be terrible. Not terrible, but they're just not going to win a lot. Huh. 
Week two, they got to go to Florida. I'm sure they're going to lose on a heartbreaker again like they always do. Mm. No offense, Kentucky fans. Speaking of Benny Snell, this is our most likely to drop a mid-season rap song. And I'm not going to say Benny Snell. I'm not saying Benny Snell. Because as I reported to you all at SEC Media Days, Just say Benny no. the Bandit, as I reported to you all, at SEC Media Days, Benny the Bandit, has some stuff in the works, but he's not coming out with anything during the season. Right. He might even wait until the summer. New tracks are not dropping yet. He's been putting it on the back burner. He's focusing on just running over people, maybe getting the occasional ejection in a bowl game uh, that he didn't actually deserve. But that's no. what he's focused on. So he's not my candidate for most likely to drop a midseason rap song. That is Rodrigo Blankenship, the Georgia kicker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Swag. Um, yeah, I mean, he was spot on the sidelines last year with – He's, like, tight with the Migos, which is terrible because the Migos are the worst. Um, sounds literally like a bop it that raps. It, they're, they're terrible. Um, that being said, I'm going to say same or just kind of going with how the offseason's gone, like a third-string receiver from Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Is Tay Ben going to be in the video? I hope so. God, I hope he so. Just give it, it's like, some not street cred. They should just make fun of themselves by doing that, and Tay Bang shows up with a frying pan in the yeah. background just waving it. Incredible. I mean, just imagine all of those Hyundai Sonatas that they would get on the Hyundai. cheap. Hyundai? Hyundai Sonatas. what? Yeah, well, I mean, That's like, Enterprise called? rent a car, whatever. That's not what it's It's just Hyundai. You don't need to pronounce Connor, the Y. you just pronounce you all like Jackie Chan did in the first Rush Hour. So, Fair I mean, don't get on me about Hyundai. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next one. Most likely yeah. to listen to Imagine Dragons get pumped up. Connor, I wrote you down for this one. God, no. <laughs> God, no. Remember when we predicted on this show that the, pre- that the pump-up song for ESPN's, you know, um, do you believe you can game win this fight tonight? Or whatever? Their yeah. game day kickoff song for previewing their big Saturday night game is going to be Imagine Dragons. And then, sure enough, it's right. Imagine Dragons. Yeah, I would rather happened. just have the rap part of, of the... Um, college game day song from Big and Rich be the, the pump-up song than anything from Imagine Dragons at this point. I'd rather let Nickelback follow me around for a month than have to listen to Imagine Dragons over and over again on my headphones before a game. I went to a Nickelback concert last year. I'll tell you what, brother. That is a hell of a time. If you love tetanus and you love Bud Light, you'll love Nickelback Live. <laughs> Taco Casa. Right. Most likely to listen to Imagine Dragons to get pumped up. I don't know if he listens to Imagine Dragons, but I went with Yalda Froholt. And I say this because, as we know, he's got this Danish background. He comes to America. Maybe doesn't know that a lot of Americans pretty much make fun of Imagine Dragons all the time. I know he's been here for a little while. Right. But they, they sort of have this... He sort of seems like that guy that would get really pumped up by something like that. Because, you know, if you've, you've spent a little bit of time around him, he's a fun-loving guy. He seems to like the he's simple too things. wild and crazy guys. <laughs> I think that's trademarked. Is it? Oh, good. That. Glad I said it. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, nobody, nobody listened. I don't to think Steve SNL. Martin listens to this. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, but Yalta, he is my guy. He was a fun guy to talk to at SEC Media Days. Got to talk about drinking beer with him because, hey, he's 21 now, um, and so that's not that big of a deal. Uh, but, yeah, he would be my pick to do that because, I don't know, he just kind of fits that build. He seems like I could, I could picture him being at the front row of an Imagine Dragons concert. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, without that's, doubt. That's, that's I not mean, a diss. That, <laughs> it is. But, I mean, it kind of is. Yeah. It is. Um, I would say Stidham at this point because Stidham is like, uh, the whole thing about him being 
like, I'm married and I'm old. And like, dude, you're like 21 and a half years old. Like, you're not old yet. He just, he kind of seems like, I don't know what you young kids are listening to nowadays, but I'm still listening to this Imagine Dragons in my Hyundai Sonata. <laughs> yeah, he was hating on, uh, on his Auburn teammates who he said probably don't even know what Lion King is. Um, that is I, we can't get into that again. He was born two years after Lion King, so just saying. Was he like, really? Yeah. That's a, oh, yeah. yeah, we're 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 old. That's that's who's old. I've watched Lion King twice in the past month. I mean I saw I saw it live in Orlando. It was a really good show. Um anyways, okay. Um this is an obvious one. There's really yeah. we don't need much explaining for this, but uh the most likely source of entertainment in twenty eighteen. That's entertainment of all varieties, like it can make us laugh. We can't wait to see what he says. Anything involving this person is entertainment. And it's intern Butch Jones. I'm gonna go a different direction. What? It's head coach Jeremy Pruitt. You want to talk Ooh. about body language by week three? Oh, man. That that week one game against West Virginia when, when Tennessee, no offense, guys, gets their brains beat in by Will Greer in that offense, I, that is – and I said with all due respect. So that, it makes it okay if you say with all okay due respect. Say, yeah. That's true. I mean, that is – that's going to be a nightmare game for them, in my opinion. And Dana Holgerson, you t- we talk about – Chad Morris and Orgeron just crushing Red Bulls. Dana Holgerson, he that he has like eight for breakfast. That That's offense true. is going to be all dialed in, all geared up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Jeremy Pruitt because because he gets a year. Basically, we're going to give him a year grace period where he can just say <laughs> and be however he wants. Because um, it's not going to be his recruits. It's not going to be his players. And I think everyone is still just like, thank God it's not Butch Jones. And he could say anything right now. He has so much leeway because of the way that Butch Jones acted publicly. That's what I was saying. Right, right, right. Right. So, like, leeway in that he could basically, like, say something totally totally extreme. And if you heard it from any other person, you'd be like, whoa, dude, like, that's a a little much. But because it's so different than what Butch Jones said and people are so excited to move on from the Butch Jones era, it's like, oh, yeah, that's – we really appreciate it. We're going to have practice. I'm tired of watching this team be so damn bad week in and week out. I honestly, for my own mental health, I had to take a break from watching them play every day on the practice field. So we're going to go in – after this off week, we're going to get back to practice, but I gave him a whole, basically a fall break. And, and everyone's going to be like, well, thank God he didn't say brick oh, by brick. Man. Because <laughs> at least, at least, I don't care if the team is not in conditioned or ready to play against Vanderbilt, but at least he didn't say brick by brick. Man, Jeremy Pruitt's really got that thing figured out. I just, oh, man, just love everything that guy has to say. That, that's going to be the reaction for <laughs> they everything need it. They need a week off. He's right. I mean, go to Gatlinburg. <laughs> Y'all go to Dollywood. I mean, go go, go go, see Rock City. Hell, do anything. we got a lot of stuff to do in this state. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, speaking of somebody who likes to do stuff that isn't just football, um, <laughs> like that little transition. Uh, how about our most likely outdoors activity to injure Jake Fromm? We don't wish injury on anyone. Let no. that be perfectly clear. But well, I mean, there's a few people that non-football related. It's fine. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll save that discussion <laughs> for another time. But uh, Jake Fromm, the next thing that is going to get him injured, um, I'm, I got three nominees here. Three, three nominees when the superlative. It's deer hunting, quail hunting, and duck hunting. You've been quail hunting. hunting? No, I don't even know what the, a quail is. <laughs> I just think, yeah, oh, that's a Wedding Crashers line. One of the greatest lines of Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Um, I want to hear what you have to say first. Okay, as someone who has never hunted in his life, uh, I, I hate to come off like that, um, but I, I feel like it's given what he has already been injured doing, and that is water sports, 
wakeboarding. It was wakeboarding, right? Did we ever figure that out? Anything involving a camo Bass Pro Shops hat. Yeah. Stuff yeah, that we don't like really... We don't. And, and, and the fishing hook thing. I, I figured hunting is way more likely than either of those things. So if those freak things have already happened to him, and I'm not, I'm not hating on Jake Fromm's ability to hunt and do all that stuff because, as we know from his social media feeds... He likes to do that with the boys, and that's why people like him so much. And he's a guy's Saturdays guy are for ER trips. Yeah, he does do that a lot. He's a, a lot. big Saturdays are for the yeah yeah. yeah. He's, he definitely, I think that's trademark too. We won't get into that. Yeah, that's but, a good um, point. That's, that's on me. Yeah, uh, can can we picture though, like every single time he tweets out a picture from from hunting, how much Georgia fans are gonna freak out oh and they're gonna gosh. flood his mentions, like, dude, go home right now. Get get out of the blondes. I mean, I don't think it's going to be deer hunting because a lot of deer hunting is done Saturday morning just from what I've grown up around. I mean, i tell you what, like, I, I know I sound like a city folk a lot, a lot of times because uh, I'm from Atlanta, West Midtown, all that kind of stuff. Um, I will say, if it flies, it dies, Connor. If it flies, it dies. That is a trademark of Ducks Unlimited, I think. I don't know. It's going to be duck hunting because you have to get up at, like, 3.30 in the morning, which is, like, I lived with a kid who used to do this, and it was mind-blowing to me because I would, like, get in around, like, 1.30. And he would get up at like three thirty, be like, "I gotta go set the blinds up, set up all decoys to go duck hunting." Doesn't I mean if it if it is the entire entire part of it involves no sun, and it's still in the morning, it's not a sport. You shouldn't be doing that. Stay indoors, sleep in. It's gonna happen though, right? I yeah, mean, without it's... A doubt, he's gonna stub his toe like walking through the woods, and he's gonna miss an entire game because no one's gonna know where he is. It'd be really funny if he just tweeted this and then tweets a picture of him hunting and then Justin Fields quote tweets it like, <laughs> enjoy, brother, something like yeah. that. Justin Fields is basically going to be sacked from Wedding Crash. Like, no, quiet. I'm just going to scare him a little bit. <laughs> just like next thing you know. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's not a good Dick Cheney reference, but it's, it's, it's not not a Dick Cheney reference. <laughs> I was going to go there if you did, so I'm glad that you did. Uh, we have our final superlative for the preseason. It is our most likely to succeed in 2018. You went in a way different direction. I'm going to let you start because I would not have named this guy if you gave me 100 candidates. Uh, Cam Martin, Auburn running back. With a K. 2018, with a K. Um, not just because of the K thing. Auburn's had a 1,000-yard ru- uh, rusher for seven of the past eight years. That is what makes that offense go. And I know we talked about how I think Jared said they're going to lean on him early in the year. Cam Martin, in that, in that offense with Malzahn, they're going to get their numbers at some point. Um, so I, I'm going to say Cam Martin. Most likely to succeed, he will have over 1,000 yards rushing. Serious question, though. If his name did not start with a K, you're No, not. he would have 400 yards rushing tops. Yeah. Okay. If it was Cam Just, with a C, pfft, see you later, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> have fun duck true. hunting. <laughs> Just don't go with Jake Fromm. Um, so I went in a little bit more of a conventional route, and I think it's A.J. Brown at Ole Miss. And, yes, I understand that receivers are susceptible to injury, and he's had, you know, he's had a couple injury issues in the past, but – in my opinion, just that system, you know Matt Luke is going to want to feed him the ball as much as possible. You know what it would mean for a place like Ole Miss to have a first-round pick at a skill position. That's what they're going to try and do, and I think he's going to get fed by our boy JT a ton this year. They're going to be throwing a lot. They're going to be down in a decent amount of games, too, so I think he's going to have a good chance to rack up some numbers. If I'm betting on one person to have that you know, all-American season, I, I think it'd probably be A.J. Brown. If I'm not going in that direction, uh, the three candidates that I came up with besides him, Benny the Bandit, a.k.a. Benny Snell, uh, Devin White, a.k.a. the guy with all the horses, and Jonah Williams, the Alabama offensive tackle, who we think is going to be the staple of that 
of that running game who's just automatically going to get all America honors, regardless yeah. of you know if he's actually good because he'll be we a, just come to expect that first help. round prospect that'll end up slipping in the second round, of course, like most yeah, offensive linemen that come from Bama. Yeah, did, didn't Ryan Ke- did Ryan Kelly slip to the second round? Ryan Kelly got into the first round as a center somehow, but yeah, like okay, Quandro, right. uh, Cam Robinson, all those guys, they all slipped yeah, in the second that's round. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so that's our most likely to succeed. Um, if you got any good superlatives, superlatives that yeah, we left out, yeah, tweet tweet those at us at uh, the SDS Pod. Um, yeah, we'd love to to hear those. We're definitely gonna come up with superlatives a few more times. I think we're gonna have yeah. end of non conference superlatives maybe. Um, and if you got any good hunting stories, play, yeah, just any good any good injured hunting stories. Not just we'll I killed on, quail. Yeah, next week when we record, you don't know this, but it'll be the anniversary of me getting hunted and and shot in Atlanta, August sixth. Wow, that's yeah. a tease if I've ever heard one. <laughs> there you go. We'll get into that story next week. Do we want to do we want to go through our uh, our greatest SEC games that every fan should watch? We're gonna save those for another We're save time. Save those for another time. And, that and was there's, a tease. I, I did. I did. I did you one favor as we move into the last month because I'm going to be pretty hard on you this fall. There's no family feud this week. We're moving right into it means too much. Oh, I've got one more thing. We've got one more thing to get to. Oh, yeah. We've got Jim Harbaugh. We've got to bring this up because uh, I know this isn't necessarily SEC related. I promise, though, it is worth your time. This is a a crazy Jim Harbaugh take um, (laughs) that Jim Harbaugh came up with himself. So Matt Hayes wrote this tremendous in-depth piece uh, with Shea Patterson the now Michigan quarterback, former Ole Miss quarterback. And one of the things that Matt Hayes discovered in this story through a quote from Wilton Spate, who's also a former Michigan quarterback, he's now at UCLA, um, he was just trying to understand the Harbaugh element and what, what it's like to play for a guy who's that Wilton Spate's you know, unconventional. at UCLA? He's yeah, in he's a Chip UCLA. Kelly offense? Yeah, isn't that He's weird? holding the clipboard. Yeah, yeah probably. Um, so this was the, the, the excerpt from the story, um, from Hayes' story for Bleach Report. It said, Early in his Michigan career, Jim Harbaugh pulled Wilton Spade aside and told him not to eat chicken, a protein that is considered fairly safe by nutritionists. When Spade asked why, Harbaugh said, because it's a nervous bird. And then Spade is quoted as saying, he thinks some type of sickness injected its way into the human population when people began eating white meats instead of beef and pork, Spade says. And he believes it 100%. That is the best line of that whole thing. <laughs> so the best part about this is is right after, right after this, today, I think, Spate tweeted out something about how this was. He's like, I meant that in like a good way. That was like a fond memory I had with, with right. Coach. I didn't mean it to be in a bad way. And, and I think it was... <laughs> um, Matt Hayes was like, yeah, I don't know how it could have been taken any other way. <laughs> it, was like, it was good, God. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's about what you would expect. Um, a can you picture bird. though? Can you picture if Harbaugh said all this stuff in the SEC? Like how how? I mean, he, it would be even more ridiculous. But oh, man. it's the fact that like he's saying this. The moral and, and academic beacons uh, of light at, in the Big Ten would just have a field day with this about just dumb Southerners all kind of stuff. He is, the, he, it's everything he says reminds me of that line from from Billy Madison, and he's like. You will be awarded no points, and may, and may God, God have mercy on your soul. soul. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> At no point in your rambling incoherentness <laughs> <laughs> did, did you even come close to making a valid point. Good God. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have chicken like three times in the next four meals probably. Well, so, and he's, he's a damn genius, and you got Jeremy Pruitt down here, don't know what asparagus is, giving his team a week off to go to Gatlinburg and get airbrush tattoos together. And all of a sudden, he's crazy. <laughs> 
All right, we're going to close with it might mean too much. My voice is cracking. That's probably a bad sign that we're uh, we're near the end of the rope here. I told you I would have this last week. I was a bad millennial. I couldn't find my DM on Twitter, so I just took a screenshot when I was able to find it. Sick brag. I'm good with technology like that. Um, so I said this was that this was going to be there last week, and this is the Instagram DM that I got from Tiger Jake after writing the It Might Mean Too Much column about Tiger Jake. So I will be muting this, myself to withhold from laughter. So this is the DM that I got from Tiger Jake. In the voice of Tiger Jake. Thanks for my story. Just a few things. I am not painted. It is animal-friendly, non-toxic hair dye. My old man does this because he is probably the biggest Auburn fan there is. Sick brag. I probably see my vets more than any other animal alive, and I am checked out every time I am at the clinic. I do love the attention, but don't pull on my ears. That I don't like. I love supporting the rescues because I am one, having been deserted by my former owner. But it turned my life around. Oh, and I met Jared Stidham. And then it's a picture of him with Jared Stidham. So that was a message that a dog sent to me on Instagram after I wrote a story about a, oh, it's not a painted dog, but it's basically a painted dog um, that is posing as an Auburn mascot. Or I just, like I want to reiterate to you as... As someone that met this duo last year at SEC Media Days, and and it's a great story, watching this unfold has been one of the best <laughs> moments of my entire <laughs> offseason. Of watching you be like, I met Tiger Jake, and I'm like, oh, did you? This is cool. This is going to end exactly the way I think it is, <laughs> and it has. Um, no, it's cool to be prideful of your school, and it, it, that is all I'm going to say. It might mean too much if you are sending Instagram DMs in the voice of your dog. Just that is not your. Just, those aren't my words because they're a lot better than what I would say. Just, just saying. Um, yeah. So fun, fun little uh, sneak peek. Peel behind the onion for next week. As of right now, Future Us is going to know if this happened or if it doesn't. But I do have an interview scheduled with the groom from the Bama LSU cake right. that went super viral that we oh, talked about last week. So I actually have a DM from the candle. Uh, of that cake, um, that is, I'll read in the in the voice of the candle from Beauty and the Beast. Eh, uh, I'm, no, I'm done. God. Oh, that's a walk off. All right. Well, we're gonna have probably more stuff to go with. It might mean too much next week. Uh, make sure that you are following all of our social media accounts. As I said earlier, at the SDS Pod, at C Marler SDS. Yes, right. Handle. And jump on Instagram, y'all. Because your boy is killing it with these fake takeovers. Oh, they are really, really good. If you have not seen um, what the um, what the quotes from what they meant to say from SEC Media good. Days, those were fantastic. If you if you're not following us on on Instagram, on on Twitter, on Facebook, all that stuff, you absolutely should be. We're not on the Snapchat yet. We're not. No, we're, we don't we'll need to there. be. That's dying. We'll, it's a dying medium. But I mean, it? yeah, it definitely is. Um, that's why I stuck with Instagram for so long. Anyway, Ooh, but. Uh, the South Carolina takeover, I, I, I made probably low-key, South Carolina has some of the greatest references and, and history out of any team in the SEC. So shout out to Gamecock fans, because we made this fake takeover. I made this fake takeover. Posted it yesterday. And I'll have you know, Connor, at roughly 5.45 last night, I was going to post it at 6 o'clock, I made the 16th and final revision, which is the most, by far, out of any of the other takeovers I made. Just so I can include the 9 a.m. spot 
following Frank Martin in a local theater production of Goodfellas <laughs> on, on their SEC takeover. And then, um, I put in my super sweet 16, the Jake Bentley edition. So it's go check it out. Oh, it's good stuff. Leave good. a comment. We'll read it next week. Um, and that is about it. So That's good. Yes. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're going to have some interesting announcements, some interesting developments later in this month. I'm going to tease those as well. Uh, but yeah, we're uh, we're looking forward to this being August, or at least future us. You're going to fire me, August you? comes. No, no, no. I'm just. We don't know if August is going to come. We don't know if the t- calendar's going to turn. It's July 31st when we're recording this, so just want to make sure. I don't want to, you know, get ahead of ourselves. But we assume August is coming. Um, that means football is here. You guys, you survived. You survived with us. The off season is over. Congrats. Round of applause to you. All right, I got to go DM some corgis. So you have a great week. And remember. It might just mean too much. No, just it might mean too much. One day. Every time. (laughs) One day. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.